Yo, what is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast, episode 136. Of course, I am your host, Armand Lee, thanking each and every one of you all for spending an hour or so with me this week as we go through, navigate through the waters of uh, another wild and crazy sports week, man. This week, I'm extremely happy to welcome in a first-time guest on the show, Justin Lee, a.k.a. Just Blaze, from the Above the Rim podcast, man. We're going to break down so much regarding the association, including, yo, what can we honestly expect from the Brooklyn Nets next season? All of that, plus it's real, real nasty in the nation's capital as it pertains to the starting quarterback for the Burgundy and Gold. But unfortunately, fans of the team, This shouldn't come as any surprise. We break down why it's always so nasty for certain quarterbacks, particularly in this case, Dwayne Haskins. All of that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. Giannis Antetokounmpo makes a joke on the air about, uh, I want to take someone who can pass. I'm taking Kemba Walker instead of James Harden. I have more assists than him, I think. You ranked 10th in assists going into the All-Star break, and Kembo ranked 36th in assists going into the All-Star break. I don't see, I don't, I don't see what the joke is, but I don't even, I, I didn't even see it. You know, I, don't, I don't pay attention to stuff like that. Uh, I just know that none of them can mess with me. <laughs> you know, but I wish I could just run, run and seven feet and run and just dunk. Like, that takes no skill at all. <laughs> I gotta actually know how to play basketball and how to have skill, you know? I take that in there. Yo, I love it. I love it. Yo, you can hate me now. Hardest. Dog, I love you, bro. Oh, my God. I've been waiting my whole life, it feels like, for the NBA to get back to what it used to be when we was coming up. You know what I'm talking about? Yo, I'm not even the biggest Rockets fan, but when James Harden came out on the jump and they, they released a little snippet, of this same soundbite that I just played for you, and he's taking shots at Giannis. Of all the people in the NBA, right? Of all the players that you could come after, James Harden comes after Giannis, the dude. He's like always smiling. You understand? Not from the country. He just he chilling in Milwaukee. You understand? He's not doing anything. Harden took the shot at Giannis, and I loved every second of it, man, because, yo, it breathes a whole new breath of fresh air into the league. Like, for... I'm sick of t- like I love Kevin Durant, Joe. I love I love KD. I'm I'm tired of Bama's doing the burner account thing. I'm tired of Bama's doing the the passive aggressive thing. You understand? Like I like this. Harden let it be known. Put his name on it in front of everybody. Had the Adidas hat cocked to the side, Joe. This is me. I'm doing this. It's like dog. Now he's wrong. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yo, I'm not gonna let the facts get in the in the way of a good story. This whole league, everything in the NBA for like, look, once LeBron went to Miami, it was a little bit left of LeBron versus Boston. But the Celtics, they ended up, they were some suckers, Joe. Like, they still mad at Ray Allen because they couldn't beat LeBron. You understand what I'm saying? Like, Celtics fans in the NBA kind of as a whole, because so many people who have platforms are from the Boston area. They do the whole thing where LeBron was the first to, to team up. When in reality, you understand, 
LeBron teamed up because he couldn't beat the Celtics after they teamed up. But that's neither here nor there. The last real rivalry that was like true was LeBron versus the Celtics. I know LeBron and Steph kind of had their little, little thing or LeBron and the Warriors, but Draymond and LeBron are cool. And Steph, he like, you know what I'm saying? He like the little, the little cute little lab. You understand? Ain't nobody beefing with the little, the, the little Shih Tzu. You understand? So like when the Warriors did their whole thing, people got kind of upset, but it wasn't really like a rivalry. That's why so many people, that's why I rock with Russ so hard. Because Russ was just like, I hate all of y'all Bamas. You could have been on my team last year, and now I'm trying to rip your head off. I don't like Joel Embiid. I don't like Kevin Durant. I don't like none of y'all motherfuckers. I love that about Russ, but he kept on losing in the first round, so it was really nothing. You know? And so much of the NBA has just revolved around LeBron. So I love the fact that now two of the best players of this generation who's not LeBron, who've been day in and day out, right? They not they haven't had a significant injury like Durant, where he misses a whole year. Or Steph, like the cute the cute chitsu, right? These are two dudes who's like, yo, our legacies are on the line. Giannis is going to be the next LeBron in terms of if he doesn't win this year, the Skip Baylesses and the the Colin Cowards and the Doug Gottliebs and all the all the hot takers, the Rob Parkers, the Stephen A. Smiths, they're going to be coming at his neck. We all see it coming, right? It's true. It's almost a a play by play, a step by step of what happened with LeBron, except for the fact that Giannis wasn't hyped, you know, out of out of you know the atmosphere. Like Giannis has had to fight to get into the the consciousness of the the average sports fan, where LeBron was kind of gifted that, but. If, if Giannis doesn't win this year, we're doing the decision again. Kevin Durant was so beloved when he left OKC, primarily because everybody shitted on Russ or Shat. Is that the past tense of shit? Shat? Whatever. Y'all know what I'm trying to say. So then we had this kind of like this, this cold war, right? where everybody's doing this little nasty, passive-aggressive thing, and everybody wants to be the guy. Nobody wants to team up with LeBron, but because LeBron is so big, no one wants to say anything outwardly about it. And then we have James Harden. Giannis, and a shout-out to Harden, because he's right in terms of Giannis been taking shots. And because he's not from America, and he's always smiling, and we try to do the whole Steph cute thing with Giannis, except for you remember, that motherfucker's seven feet tall. And swole. We saw Giannis when he looked like a little dork when he came in. He didn't even have a fresh cut. He just looked all goof. You know what I'm saying? And now it's like, oh, we're not going to do this cute little cuddly thing. Giannis be popping off all the time. He don't want to work out with anybody, which I love, which I respect. But he's not afraid to say it. And I will give, and again, this is why I love everything about this little, it ain't even a beef, but whatever it is, I hope it grows into a beef. I don't care. You understand? I love this because Giannis doesn't do the passive aggressive thing. And I don't know if it's because it's it's lost in translation or because he's still kind of new and he's starting to feel himself or he could just be popping off on Bama's like just fly with it. Like, I don't fuck with y'all. However it is, that's what he says. He tells everybody he's smiling when he does it. He doesn't care. He taking shots at Drake. I don't know if he meant it, but that's what he said. So I'm gonna ride with it. You know what I'm saying? It ain't my job to interpret what he what he felt. Fuck it. That's what he said. Let's go. 
So then at the All-Star, a thing that should be super light, you know what I'm saying? Everybody's having fun. They're picking teams. My man picked Kimball Walker over James Harden. <laughs> that's the most disrespectful thing. No disrespect to Kimball Walker. And shout out to Kimball because, yo, he just catches a stray from Harden. He's like, yo, none of them can mess with me. He's like, I average more assists than him. And then made Rachel Nichols recite the statistics. Oh, Harden's top 10. Kimball Walker's the starting point guard. He's in the 35th, 36th. I loved every second of that. You understand? But, yo, he fell in a way that I went to. If I'm James Harden and Kimball Walker, Pascal Siakam, Joel Embiid to pick before me, I'm looking at Bama's like, hold on, bro. What are y'all doing? So, Harden, he feeling himself. He talks slick. Gaga takes the shot. Oh, I wish I could be seven feet and just dunk all the time. It takes no skill. And that's where I, he lost me because obviously Giannis has skill. But, yo, this is what the NBA needs. I love every second. And the fact that Harden plays with Russ, it's like I... I feel like Russ, maybe not intentionally, but just because he just goes so hard and now by association, I mean, they've always seemingly had a dope relationship, but now that they're playing together, it's almost as if Russ is sicing hard or he's putting the battery in his back and like, yo, Russ, you know Russ don't give a fuck. So now Harden is like, all right, man, they hate us regardless. They hate my game. Bill Simmons is getting on Twitter talking about how he can't stand watching the Rockets, which is nuts to me because I feel like since the Rockets have gone small, they've become significantly more enjoyable to watch. So they, 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 they've done the kind of whole uh, persecution pro uh, complex, excuse me, where they just like, yo, everybody's out to get us, and now Giannis is taking shots. So you know what? Fuck him and fuck the league and fuck everybody who, who, who stands with Giannis in Milwaukee drinking beers and eating uh, sausages. You understand? And I love it. There's no way in the world Houston comes out of the Western Conference. But imagine how dope a Milwaukee-Houston finals would be. Maybe not dope in terms of, you know, when you watch certain NBA games, and I don't know if it's the lighting, I don't know if it's the fan bases, but, like, certain teams are just more fun to watch on TV. And it has nothing to do with, like, the market size, or even the players. Like, Oklahoma City was always super fun to watch, even when Kevin Durant left. And I don't know if it's because the court is lit a certain way. Obviously, the fans get energized, and that's always fun. But, like, when the Spurs were dominant, and I love Tim Duncan and Manu Ginobili was super fun, it wasn't fun to watch the Spurs play basketball because it just kind of was like, yeah, you know? And Houston has that, and Milwaukee. I like watching Giannis. Giannis is fun. The Bucks play a fun style of basketball. But when you watch Milwaukee at home, those games are just like, it just lacks something. You know, it just doesn't have the kind of punch. And the same can be true for Houston. And I don't know what it is. Like certain teams, like, it's hard to, it's hard to really kind of look at the Warriors this year because this is their first year in the new arena, but everything has changed. So, it's a bit different. But certain cities like Boston, Philly, um, they're fun to watch. If the games are being played there. Toronto also, they've got a fun atmosphere. So not every team, even big cities, they don't have it, right? The Nets, I don't really feel like that is a fun atmosphere. The Lakers are always fun. 
no matter where. And I don't. And it's not just because it's the Lakers. I feel like it's it has to do with the lighting because obviously the LA fans don't go stupid hard like that. At least down on the lower level because they're all rich. They trying to be cool. But the Clippers is not really fun to watch. The Clippers play. They play in the same arena, so I don't. I don't know what it is. But if I could put Milwaukee and Houston in Staples Center, like with the Lakers lining, or in Philadelphia, oh my God, I, I, I I'm all in. And I gotta thank James Harden for that, man, because in an era where everybody's trying to be cool and everybody's trying to link up and everybody, no, no one wants to step on anybody's toes. James Harden said enough. And I feel him. I feel him. He's wrong. And I don't think Houston is going to even get to the finals. And if they did get to the finals, they'd get mopped by Giannis. But, Joe, Giannis throws a ball in his face. The motherfucker says he wants somebody who's going to pass. And he picks Kimball Walker over him in the All-Star game. And is going to go back-to-back MVPs. If I'm hard, I'm like, dog, you got one more time before I'm going to snuff you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Joe, how much can one man take? So shout out to James Harden, bro. Go just embrace the villain. Look at what Russ does and just kind of let that be the fuel to your fire, bro. Because I'll say this. The way Houston has been playing since they've traded Clint Capella. Whoa. Whoo, baby. Slim, they coming for it. And I, I love everything about what they're doing, right? Forget whatever constraints that you have. Forget whatever principles that you think teams should operate with. Fuck it. Russell Westbrook's going to play like a power forward now. And who fucking cares, right? Because it works for them. And if Giannis is standing in your way, James Harden, you think you should be the next man up, you know, after this LeBron era? If you think this is your time, dog, there's only one way to do it. And this is the start. Identify your target and come right at his neck, man. And shout out to James Harden because in a war of words, he got this one over Giannis. Let me know what you guys think, man. Do you do you enjoy this back and forth? Or am I just icing the joint? I want to hear your thoughts, man, because I love it. I, I hope Giannis fires back. I mean, he kind of backed down. was like, oh, you know, I ain't trying to hear that, man. Come on, put some bass in your voice, Giannis. You've been in America long enough, Joe. You've been here long enough, man. Come on. Come on, you got too many muscles to sound like, you know, a 12-year-old pre-pubescent little boy, man. Put some bass in your voice, baby. Let's tighten up. Because playoffs are coming. The playoffs are coming. Ain't got no time for this this nice beating up on Matt. Dog, I don't want to see Giannis fight another mascot. You got James Harden saying you have no skill. <laughs> you feel me? Dog, take a shot. I want to hear from you, though. I want to hear what you guys think about Harden versus Giannis, Houston versus Milwaukee, however you want to break it down. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me at quarterlyshow. All right? All right. That's enough of the NBA for right now. We're going to bounce back again. My guy, Justin Lee, a.k.a. Just Blaze, is going to join me in the third quarter this week to break down more from the Rockets as well as other NBA topics. But we're going to step onto the gridiron because there's been a real, real nasty narrative starting to brew in the in the NFL world as the draft looms large, particularly in Washington, D.C. It's our second topic this week. Second quarter. If you were running Washington, Mel, what would you do here? Would you believe in Haskins or would you grab Tua? I think I'd grab Tua maybe even over Chase Young. He's special. Well, you have all the Chase Youngs you want, Max. If you don't have the quarterback, you're spinning your wheels. Ah. Uh... 
if you have listened to this podcast for any significant amount of time, you know why that sigh was there. You know why I feel so awful about this time of the year. Every single year, every single season, without fail, quarterbacks, without doing anything, their draft value will skyrocket purely for the fact that they play that position. It doesn't matter if you played poorly down the stretch. We've seen that happen. It doesn't matter. Mel Kuyper once said, stats are for nerds. (laughs) In, 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 In arguing why Josh Allen should be a top quarterback taken in the NFL draft. It doesn't matter how tall you are. It doesn't matter about character issues. Well, depending on your hue, if you will, character issues really don't matter. It You could have a significant hip injury where people question whether you could ever play at a high level ever again. And clearly, that doesn't matter. All of these things happen every single year to some degree. And without fail, quarterbacks, no matter the, no matter the situation, no matter the context, no matter the issue, people will talk themselves into drafting a quarterback. And now, even if you have a promising quarterback already in your building, I'm watching, this was on Get Up. I'm sorry, this was on First Take, excuse me. Uh, but this actually happened before the day before um, because the following day I'm watching Get Up. Like I said, I watch Get Up. I enjoy that show. And Max Kellerman, and you heard him a bit on that uh, snippet there, he's advocating for Washington to take Tua Tonga Vailoa with the second pick in the draft. Now, here's the thing. You know, I love Max when he can be honest and open about boxing. But even in then, he can be compromised, right? Because if he has a personal uh, vendetta or if there is a, a, a um, anything to gain, if it, if it uh, conflicts with his interest, he's always going to speak in that regard. And if I were to have played that snippet out longer, he's saying, Oh, Chase Young, come to daddy, fall to daddy, because the Giants pick at number four. So there's a bit of disingenuous nature into Max questioning. Because when I first heard that without having the proper context, my my immediate reaction would be, hold on. If the Giants were picking two, would he want the Giants to take Tua after they took Daniel Jones in the first round last year? Because here's what no one wants to talk about. Dwayne Haskins played better than Daniel Jones once he had a coaching staff who actually believed in him. You look down the stretch, Daniel Jones was not a better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins was. And Daniel Jones had a much more stable operation, whether you like what the Giants are doing when they're coaching staff or not. You can't compare it to what was going on in Washington. There's also no Saquon Barkley in D.C. Yes, Everybody loves uh, my man from LSU. I forget his name. His name is escaping me right now. Um, Darius Geis, who's always hurt. Everybody loves Geis, but he's always hurt. And everyone loves Adrian Peterson, despite the fact that he's 77 years old. Neither one of those guys, even if you were to somehow combine them two together, they're not Saquon Barkley. The Giants had more weapons for Daniel Jones. They had a more stable organization 
for Daniel Jones, and yet Dwayne Haskins outplayed him down the stretch. And if you were to break down, rate both quarterbacks, I would say it was a draw. I would rather have Haskins than Daniel Jones. But there's nothing that I saw last year that I would be able to say Haskins or Jones would be better than the other. However, in the media, everyone acts like Dwayne Haskins. I mean, there was some nasty stuff that came out of the media last week. Doug Gottlieb was talking about how apparently Jay Gruden, there were people on the Jay Gruden's coaching staff who thought Haskins was dyslexic because he couldn't pick up the playbook. And man, I am so tired of that shit, bro. That I'm so done with. Because you never hear that with other quarterbacks who are not black. You never hear. And look, if you just took one minute, you could think of at least five quarterbacks who are not black, who are white quarterbacks, who aren't the brightest. And they probably rush to the mind real quickly. But you don't ever hear how coaching staffs question if they're dyslexic or if they could pick up the playbook or that they should be, you know what I'm saying? Like, people always use the Kyler Murray, Josh Rosen example from last year. Like, hey, the Cardinals... You know, they drafted two quarterbacks back-to-back. Josh Rosen didn't show himself to be a capable quarterback the way Dwayne Haskins did. You know what I'm saying? And, like, so, so I don't even believe that to be a fair, like, I don't believe that to be a fair example. But if you want to use that, sure, go ahead. Kyler Murray's not coming off a hip surgery. You see what I'm saying? The goalposts move so much when it comes to quarterbacks, particularly in D.C., and it's nasty, bro. Dwayne Haskins was drafted to a team whose coaching staff did not want him. And on the radio, everybody made it out, made, made it perfectly clear to point this out. Jay Gruden and his staff, the football people, didn't want Dwayne Haskins in D.C. They wanted Montrez Sweat. And then what happened? The football people in D.C., Montrez Sweat's first season went just like Haskins. Did next to nothing for the first half of the season and then started to pick it up down the stretch. So how can anyone, right, properly rate the football people in D.C. as a means to knock or diminish Haskins? Because Montrez Sweat was given every example or every opportunity to succeed. Dwayne Haskins was not. And I'm not going to excuse what what Dwayne Haskins did or did not do in terms of preparation. I do not know. Those reports are out there that he was not necessarily mature. But even those you have to take with a grain of salt, right? Because what's mature to me may not be mature to you. And if you are completely unfamiliar with the lifestyle or culture or certain attitudes, yeah, things can happen. This is one of the reasons why we always harp on bias, personal bias. If you can't identify your own personal bias, then man, your blind spot is going to be the size of Shaq. You know what I'm saying? Dwayne Haskins could just be like any other normal 20, young 20-some-odd-year-old 20 player to me, right? To me or to my uncle or to my brother-in-law or to my sister or to my aunts or something like that. Someone can do something that you wouldn't even bat an eye on. And that's not a sign of a lack of maturity. It's just the way this person is. But to someone completely different who is 
who is not familiar with certain attitudes. And again, I'm not trying to make excuses for Dwayne Haskins. He may have been immature, but I find it quite odd that someone who struggled with maturity so so clearly so, right? Because the reports are all out there. You have coaching staffs thinking that he's dyslexic, dyslexic, easy for me to say, right? But you have coaching staffs who think that he's dyslexic. And then in a matter of weeks, he finishes the season with a top 10 quarterback rating. Like down the stretch of the season, Dwayne Haskins was the seventh highest rated quarterback in the NFL. And yet all of that is tossed aside. Funny, right? How no one was clamoring for the Cleveland Browns or the New York Jets to draft the quarterback last year. No one was saying that. Right? The, the entire process was, okay, you have to give Baker Mayfield a new offense, a new a coaching staff, and you have to give him weapons. And then Cleveland did that, and then Baker Mayfield somehow got worse. And even now, you're starting to now question, okay, is Baker Mayfield ready? Is his, is his maturity level? But this is after two seasons. And after two seasons of giving him talent. Actually coaching him up, building confidence. You had Sam Darnold on national television say he thought he saw a ghost. And even now, no one is saying the Jets should draft the quarterback. No one is saying that the Jets should move up to, to draft Tua. They're saying, hey, you got to give him more talent, build up his confidence. They're pinpointing the coach, Adam Gase. But for Dwayne Haskins, who had no talent, had no their best offensive player was going to war outwardly, publicly, publicly with Bruce Allen. Their running back situation got hurt. The best other skill position players were all rookies, and the head coach to start the season had no desire of even trying to coach him up. All of these things happened, and yet now people are saying, yo, Washington should try to draft a guy who may not even be ready to play at the start. What are we doing? What are we doing? And, and and this is the thing that's super nasty, right? Because to me, I think it's com and completely uh, incompetent, foolish, naive, unrealistic to not even just ask, not saying that it is race-related, but just to ask, why are we doing all of this for Haskins, yet no one else who has a white quarterback does this? And this, like, I don't... Some of y'all probably get all nervous, start shaking your boots. Oh, he's playing the race card. He's playing the race card. Shut up. Asking a question is not playing a card. And trust me, right? I'd much rather live in a society where the race card didn't exist. Like, to, to say that I'm playing something is, is a means to kind of get the one-upsmen on somebody, right? To 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 get over on somebody. Oh, he's playing the race card as a, as a mean, like a get-out-of-jail-free card, pardon the pun, right? Every black person would be like, yo, if you think this race card is so powerful, let's trade it in for equality, for just a fair shot. Every black person would run to the front of the line to sign up for that trade. So stop acting like the race card is somehow this, this magical Willy Wonka golden ticket. It's not. <laughs> it's just an excuse for a lot of Bama's 
not to have a conversation that makes them uncomfortable. But fuck it. Let's get uncomfortable for a second, right? It's just odd to me. I'm listening to Kevin Sheehan last week. And now, you know, whatever. Your opinion on him is whatever it is. When it comes to football, I don't mind Sheehan. Okay? When he starts talking about basketball stuff, I turn I turn it off. But he was doing the thing where he was, was very adamant about Oh, this isn't race. Just shutting down the idea that all of these negative reports that are criticizing and critiquing Dwayne Haskins, despite the fact what he showed when he actually had a coaching staff work with him, right? So I think a natural question would be, okay, well, why is this? When people are questioning his intelligence, because you don't ever hear that when it comes to white quarterbacks. And Sheehan ran to the front ran to the microphone to say, yo, it's not true, it's not race, and dismiss all of this stuff. And then do what everybody in this in this town does on the radio. Anytime anything happens in the football related to race and quarterbacks specifically, they just throw out Doug Williams' name. As if that's Mr. Clean. He cleans up everything. Without giving the proper context of how Doug left in D.C., right? It's just kind of Doug Williams was black. Hey, it can't be us. That shit happened decades ago, bro. It's not like a one-time fix-all thing. It's nasty in here. And look, I'm not saying that Dwayne Haskins is the second coming of Aaron Rodgers. I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know, but this is one thing that I do know. I do know if I had a quarterback who I drafted in the first round last year, who showed signs of significant improvement as the year went on, I would not be in a rush to then draft a quarterback who probably cannot play for the first part of the season. That doesn't make any sense, specifically when you have as many holes as Washington does. Also add to that, Chase Young is supposed to be this can't-miss player. Nobody was screaming for the 49ers to draft a quarterback last year. Everybody was like, okay, Kyler will go number one. You take Bosa. Because Bosa was a beast. You have people in Ohio State, the people who watch that team in that building, and people who cover that team, say that Chase Young is better than both of the Bosas. People said that Nick Young was better than Joey. I didn't believe it until I saw it. When people say that Chase Young is better than uh, Nick Bosa, I don't believe it. But you know what? I heard the same thing. And I, I didn't believe it last year. And I was wrong. The idea that Washington, a team who has so many holes, should pass up on Chase Young, not to trade the pick so they can acquire more assets, but so they can take a quarterback who is injury prone, is beyond absurd to me. And... The problem is, when you look at the people who talk about Washington in this area, they all look the same. So their biases could be exactly the same that Jay Gruden's or Jay Gruden's coaching staff, right, in quotation marks. They all could have the same bias as well. And if no one is comfortable enough to be like, you know what, I could have thought they questioned the man's intellect. How anybody, any rational individual... The fact that that was even reported is nasty, bro. Like, that's crazy to me. 
especially considering once the coaching staff, who clearly had something against him, left, he improved. How do you you feel like, come on, Joe? And nobody's going to call it out because everybody on the radio in D.C. loved Jay Gruden. Everybody. There were people who were out here screaming that Jay Gruden wasn't a problem. When that motherfucker clearly was a problem. Was he the problem? No. He was one of them, though. And the proof is in the pudding. It is so exhausting. It's so exhausting. Can he learn the system? They're doing it with Jalen Hurts now. Oh, maybe he should change. Maybe he should change positions. Meanwhile, they are talking like Taysom Hill is the next great thing. And we're just supposed to sit here and take it. Like, this is the type of stuff that drives us crazy. It drives us nuts, man. And then when someone on my, like myself gets on the microphone and lets the frustrations out, oh, man, you, you're just unhinged. Oh, you're playing the race car. Why are you so mad? Nah, Joe, you're not going to do that to us anymore. 2020, that is dead. That is over. In the ground stinking, Joe. We're not going to act like Dwayne Haskins did not improve. We're not going to act like Dwayne Haskins was not drafted into a toxic situation and that he did not have the necessary weapons and did not have the necessary environment to succeed. Again, Max Kellerman is up here saying, yo, Washington, they probably should take Tua. Ask yourself if Max would want Tua if, he, if the Giants had the number two pick. Because you know how that would go. Then ask yourself, what did Daniel Jones do to separate himself from Dwayne Haskins last year? And it's going to be silence because there hasn't been anything he has done. So when you finally go through this equation and you come to the point and to the realization, like, hold on, none of this makes sense. Welcome to the club. Now ask yourself, why is it that this type of situation that we're in, where all when you finally put the entire equation up on the board and you try to come up with the answer and try to come up with the way to make it make sense, it just doesn't. Ask yourself why it always happens to a quarterback who looks like Dwayne Haskins and how all of these criticisms and these complaints and these reports always come from someone who doesn't look like Dwayne Haskins. When you have that answer, then all of you guys who are sick of the quote-unquote race card and all of you guys who are sick of, oh, why are they always talking about us? When you can complete that equation, honestly, and you get to that answer, then how come holler at me? Because, Joe, we've been ready to have this conversation. And when you're finally ready to stop deflecting because of your of you being uncomfortable, Right? When you finally ready to have an adult conversation, come on, join the club, Joe. It took it's taking you way too long. All right, guys, you heard the horn. That means it is halftime here. <sighs> Had to get that off my chest, man. You know, we like to keep things light on the quarterly report. Uh, we don't always try to have heavy topics, but sometimes I feel like it's needed. And sometimes I don't even necessarily think that it was a heavy topic. It's just shining a light, man, because so many times it's like magic in plain sight. Motherfuckers don't even try to hide the trick anymore. They just do the same shit over and over and over again and expect us to just be like cool with it because it happens all the time. We just complacent. Like, oh, they doing that shit again and no one ever wants to make a fuss out of it. Like, I have this podcast for a reason. 
right? And to those of you all who listen, I really appreciate you guys. I want you guys to interact. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know if you want me to address something else. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me at quarterly show. But with this podcast, you know, I'm going to talk about the things that affect me and the things that I feel like aren't being talked about. And I, I say this all the time. I can't be the only person who thinks like this because, again, they're not even disguising some of this shit. You know what I'm saying? But sticking with football for halftime this week, I thought there was another kind of interesting thing that happened uh, that may make some of you all uncomfortable. But, man, you know, adjust yourself, get some new draws on or something, man. Like, I ain't got time for you to be uncomfortable about the NFL, right? There's a lot of things that could make you uncomfortable. The NFL should not be one of them. But one thing that kind of tickled me this week was Travis Kelsey. Now, for those of you who don't know, uh, maybe you are not around the necessary people. Travis Kelsey is a beloved figure in the African-American community, or at least he was, particularly among black women. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, it's 2020. I don't know what your guys' stances are in the racial dating, you know, for me, doesn't move me one way or the other. You know, love is hard to find. You know what I'm saying? So anybody who needs to find love, no matter who it looks like, where it comes from, bomb, go ahead, man. Find somebody who's going to treat you right. Now, unfortunately, in the interracial dating dynamic, right, brothers, we tend to go outside more so than our sisters do, right? But, you know, hopefully this is a, a new era. Black women, feel free to date whomever you want to. You know what I'm saying? And black women, at least the ones that I'm around, they love them some Travis Kelsey. And then this Bama jumped out there and did the, the cardinal sin. He was super excited to see President Trump. And then, boy, those cookout passes, they got revoked real quick. But that got me thinking. You know, we as black people, we just so accommodating. You know what I'm saying? All you got to do is dance. And then we be like, yo, send them to the cookout. Send them to the barbecue. Ba ba ba, the family reunion. Ba ba boom. I wanted to think, who would be the per- the person in sports who get the pass, you know, to, I don't know, the bar mitzvah? You know what I'm saying? Who's the dude who comes into the golf, uh, you know, who gets the... Who gets the invite to the country club? You know what I'm saying? Which black athlete gets the the white equivalent to, you know, the barbecue invite? And then secondly, what would it take to get that same black athlete their pass revoked? That's the topic for this week's halftime. Take a listen. What happens when we flip the script on invites to the barbecue and find out who is accepted to the country club? And better yet... Who gets their passes revoked? It's another episode of Sports Unsolved Mysteries. Mom, Dad, did you see? Saria Williams out of the blue helped me today working on my backhand and serve. Can you believe it? Wow, kiddo, that's awesome. Were you paying attention? Those types of tips could go a long way to helping your game. You know, you have a huge tournament this weekend with a lot of college scouts attending. Getting you a scholarship would be great. Yep, I listened to everything she said. In fact, I even invited her to the family potluck. Uh, yeah, I don't know, kiddo. Uh, I'm 
I'm sure she's too busy. Nope. She actually said she's excited. Mom, I told her about your world-famous tuna casserole. She wants to try it. She said she never had it. Something about WPS? Uh, honey, I don't know if that's a good idea. The potluck is special, and you know, <laughs> she is from Compton. Oh, Lamar Jackson, what a throw! <laughs> I love that guy. He's gonna lead my fantasy team to the grand prize. That's awesome, Dad, because guess what? He's moving into the neighborhood. What? Yeah, he's moving into Mr. Darden's old home. Isn't that great? No, it's awful. This is so awful. This neighborhood is going straight to hell. First comes the loud music, then the basketball courts, and before you know it, it'll be boys in the hood all over the place. Gosh. All right, give me the phone. I have to call our real estate agent. All right, guys, hopefully you all enjoyed halftime. But you know what? The second half is upon us. We've made our halftime adjustments and ready to finish up strong. So you know what? Without further ado, we're going to start the second half off strong with my guest this week. Y'all know him as Just Blaze, the host of Above the Rim podcast. My guy, Justin Lee. He is the host of the Above the Rim podcast. And you can follow him on Twitter at Just Blaze, J-U-S. B-L-A-Z-E underscore 513. Justin Lee, man, thank you so much for rocking with me this week on the Quarterly Report. And you know what? We're going to get right to it. In the first quarter, I talked about kind of how I was in love with the fact that James Harden kind of, you know, broke this kind of unwritten rule in the NBA circles of this generation that no one can ever talk slick about another player. Not only did James Harden kind of flex on the league, he flexed on the reigning MVP improbable two-time back-to-back MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, before we get really dive in deep, man, what were your thoughts on the actual comments and how did you take them from Harden? Wild out a little bit. <laughs> I think I think he took a little fall with saying um, that requires no skill because it does require right. skill. What Giannis is doing, he's still giving you 29, well, 27, 13, and 5 or something like that. But... Um, I see what he's trying to say, that his the way he plays the game and how he plays the game requires more actual basketball skill because he is a guard. So I get what he's saying, and I like it. I love it. Yeah, man. It's, it, and you know what the thing is? It's kind of interesting because Giannis is also a guy who kind of stays off to himself. Like, obviously, yeah. him and his team, they're obviously – they got the little close, little bond. They beating up on mascots, whatever, whatever. But Giannis has gone out for years now and says, like, I don't want to work out with anybody. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to chill with anybody. I'm trying to be the best. He did a thing like mocking LeBron early in the year where he put the crown yeah. on his head. So <laughs> it was interesting seeing how Giannis and Harden kind of coming at each other because both those dudes seem as if they're both kind of standoffish in the NBA circles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, yeah. And I think I think in, in that interview with um Rachel, that thing that he said when he, he worried about um how a couple of guys said they want somebody that's gonna pass the ball. And right. he brought up um that his assink his assist ranking is yeah. higher yeah. than Giannis. See that part I didn't like because I think that's gonna go over a lot of people's heads because it's not necess- assists don't always mean um you're passing how the ball. Much of a passer. Exactly, exactly. Exactly. 
because I don't know if you know, but a lot of times I call a lot, well, not a lot, but some of the point guards um, get selfish assists. For and sure. there is a thing to me called selfish assists. Like, I don't know right. if you remember Boston Rondo. Rondo did all always, the time. Always gave a selfish assist. You would dribble a ball out for 22 seconds and then pass it at the last minute and they happen to make it, which is great. Yeah. Right, but right. you got to give your teammates a rhythm. So I honestly think Giannis does a better job of getting his teammates involved um, more than Harden, even though Harden does have average a high assist. But um, it remains to be seen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, look. If there was a way that we could pencil in a Houston-Milwaukee series, I think at this moment right now, everybody would be down for it. Yeah, um, definitely. Once again, y'all, I'm joined by my guy, Justin Lee, host of the Above the Rim podcast. Again, like I said, he's a Lee, so you know what time it is. It's going to be super dope stuff. Make sure you check it out on any podcast platform. And again, make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at just J-U-S-Blaze underscore 513. Now, you know, you were in Brooklyn, and yeah. I, I want to kind of pivot here because coming into the year, despite the fact that everybody knew that KD was going to sit the year out with the Achilles tear, um, there were still a lot of high expectations for the Nets, uh, and deservedly so. You know, they were, I think, the sixth seed last year. Um, yep. They had a lot of young, promising players. Obviously, D'Angelo Russell left, but in return, they got Kyrie Irving. So the idea, the thought process was, yo, at least they're going to be either as good, if not better, than they were last year. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously Kyrie hurts himself again. He's out for the rest of the year. But even before the injury, he said some wild stuff talking about, yo, we're going to have to make a move next year and ship some of these guys out. And recently, I'm out of D.C. The Nets team, who have nice pieces, they just lost to the Wizards. And I'm starting to think, like, yo, if – KD is not what we believe KD, like the what KD once was. I don't know what the Nets end up becoming. You know what I'm saying? So my question to you, someone who's there, much more closer to the team, what is the outlook of the people of the Nets? Are there, is it still that much promise or are people starting to question like, yo, maybe this past free agency wasn't what it was all cracked out to be? Yeah, man. So when you look at the the pulse of the of the of the Brooklyn Nets out here, man, a lot of people they really don't care because when it when it comes to basketball, I mean, they're just starving for some quality <laughs> no, <you're> basketball, right. <laughs> right? Over here in New York City, man, they're starving for a long time. So they honestly don't. They just want to see a good product on the floor. But in the, in the essence of actually looking at how the team has performed over the season, they've been a, a disappointment in my eyes. Even though the stats look nice, because if you look at the stats, I know, I believe they have about seven guys averaging at least 10 points a game. Right. Which doesn't happen very often. Um, obviously, we know Kyrie's getting his numbers. He's always going to get his numbers. For sure. But then for sure. gave us all these great numbers, but then the production didn't mean anything because he only gave us 20 games. So that, to mm-hmm. me, is a big, a really big disappointment. Dinwiddie, obviously, is playing spectacular this year. He's averaging over 20. You got Levert. You got Harris. You got Prince, who's a solid piece. And you brought up the leadership that Kyrie, um, that he displayed over this year. And I'm not a big fan of his leadership, man. I didn't like those comments either when you're saying that we needed an extra piece. All, all the pieces are not in place right. aside from KD not coming. Well, we all know that's the real reason. So I had an issue with how he's displaying his leadership because he definitely singled out a few dudes on the roster. For sure, for sure. And, you know, these are grown men. They're not going to like that, man. You're going to single me out. Like, what? Like, I'm playing. I'm actually oh. on the court. I'm available. Especially considering how they went to the postseason without Kyrie last year. Exactly. So Jared Allen and Joe Harris, those are two of the guys who he just didn't even name. It's like, yo, they could look at it like Slim. 
like what more do we need when we got you and Kevin Durant? The the point is like that's enough. So that yeah. Kyrie's like saying, dog, we need one more piece. It's like, dog, then how nice are you supposed to be then, bro? You are supposed to be that piece. <laughs> right, you're, spo- right. you're supposed to be the complimentary piece of this team. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. Like I, I was I was saying on my show, because I was just talking about it at the last episode. Um, I don't know who the leader of this team is. It's not not really Kyrie. People are expecting it to be Kyrie. They want it to be Kyrie. I think it should be KD. But if you really look at it in the grand scheme of things, are they real leaders? Have any of them actually been great leaders on their teams previously in their career? Yo, that's you hit the nail on the head. And like I said, I, I heard your last episode. And when you mm-hmm. said that, I was thinking to myself, I was like, yo, you right. Like, yeah. When KD was in Oklahoma, KD's kind of, he operates in just a weird space because he's never been on a team where there wasn't, like, superstar death, right? Mm-hmm. In OKC, that team was just loaded. Even when Harden left, you still had two of the top ten players in the league. Yep. So he didn't really have to be the leader, and we all know how intense Russ is. Then KD goes to Golden State, and that team, they, was a, they were already a well-oiled machine before he got there. So despite the fact that he's one of, easily one of the best players when he's right, he's never had to show the ability to lead guys. And we know Kyrie has wanted to do so, but he just fails at every turn. I don't know what happens to the Nets when things get hard, because, of course, inevitably they will next season. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a lot of growing pains, especially yeah. for that team, because this is basically going to be a brand-new team learning. When you plug in a guy like KD, he's going to take a lot of shots, a lot of minutes, so right. everyone's role has to change. And right now, honestly, if you look at their roster, a couple of dudes got to go yes. uh, at the end of the summer, because they, they have too many guys that actually need the ball in their hands and can actually play. Yeah. So right. and they don't really complement each other well. Like uh, Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, and then with KD coming back, that's four ball handles. It might be a little overkill. Yeah. Um, for them. So it's it's crazy because I I don't know I don't really look at KD and Kyrie as as um as Doc used to say Doc Rivers used to say Are you a leader of men? Do you right. think they're leaders of men? Right. Right. Yeah, K- KD, not not at all. I mean, KD still, you know, every time I see him on an interview, he's still talking about his burner accounts. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, dog, like, come on. you in your 30s, Slim, what you doing? And I love KD. He from, <laughs> me he from the county. So yeah. it's like, it's not a knock on him as a as a player. But nah, I'm not riding it. Like, I don't look at KD the way I would look at, you know what I'm saying, uh, a LeBron or the, uh, a Draymond or you name the leader. He, he just, mm-hmm. just doesn't. Do it for me like that. You know what I'm saying? Because he's not an alpha. That's the right. thing. He's right. not an alpha. You have to be an alpha, especially in this game right now. So if you're going to be the best player, you're going to have to be the alpha. Yeah, man. I mean, like, look, what we see with uh, Milwaukee, like we just were talking about with Giannis and Harden, like those are guys who it's clear, come with me because I'm, I'm ready to do it. And yeah. not just on the court, but just verbally as well. So it'll be interesting to see. It's funny, though. I'm a Nick fan, unfortunately. And oh, I see man. I know, dog, is rough. <laughs> Slim is so bad. <laughs> I see all the hate that New York gets, and I'm just thinking to myself, man, it has to be so good to be the Nets right now because the yeah. Knicks, no matter how bad the Nets are, the Knicks just find a way to be even worse, and yeah. no one no one really pays attention to it. You know what I'm saying? But you know what's crazy, bro? The The Garden is still always rocking way over the Barclays. And that's the problem. That's yeah. the problem, though, You know, yep. because Dolan makes money even when the product is trash. It's always rocking. Even with garbage games, trash games, the Garden <laughs> is always a better experience. I mean, the Barclays is, is great. I Actually, I'm at the Barclays way more than I'm at the Garden. Right. But um, it's just definitely a different vibe, a different energy between the two stadiums. And, and the, the, the level of fans are different. Obviously, in yeah. the Garden, you have more real Knicks fans, passionate fans in the Nets. 
Um, in the Barclays, a lot of times, I'm not going to front, a lot of the people who come to the games go to see the visiting teams still. Still, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it affects stuff. Once again, y'all, this is my guy, Justin Lee. Make sure you check out his podcast, the Above the Rim podcast, anywhere you listen to pods. And follow him on Twitter. He's at JustBlaze underscore 513. Justin, man, thank you so much for making your first appearance on the Quarterly Report, bro. Man, I appreciate the invite, man. I definitely got to get you on Above the Rim now, too, man. You, you're a solid brother. Definitely got to hey. get you on. Hey, man, let me know, man. I'm down to do it, bro. For, for sure, for damn sure. But I appreciate the invite again, man. I appreciate it. Once again, thanks to my guest, Justin Lee, man. Make sure you guys check out his pod. All right, guys, three quarters are now in the books, which means we have one quarter left. So without further ado, let's get it going with our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. Yeah, we're going to end the show this week with the segment that I, I truly love. It's one of the first segments that we did on the show. And again, it's the Sports Wankster. For those of you who are not aware, Sports Wankster stems from the legendary 50 Cent, one of his more iconic lines. And the reason why I love it is because it applies to everyday life. I'm sure there's always been a moment where you are out and about. Maybe you just stumble upon someone who back in school... They was killing it, right? They was really, really fly with it. And then you see them and then, you know, we're all adults now and you look back and you're like, yo, what the fuck happened to you? It's such a, just a genuine question, right? And it's so pure. It's so relatable that it's not a complex rhyme scheme or pattern. It's, it's just so simple, yet it resonates so much that it has stood the test of time. And not only has it stood the test of time, it's applicable in so many different areas. So why not highlight that in the sports arena, which is why we come up with the segment, the Sports Wingster. Again, we have a Hall of Fame. You know, Sports Wingster Hall of Fame is somewhat, is filled with people who at some time were billed as the man or the woman, the next one up, the next best thing. But as happens all the time, sometimes... The reality never lives, lives up to the hype. First ballot sports wings to Hall of Fame inductees happened to be people like Freddie Adu. I mean, when he was literally the first image that I thought of when I started thinking of this idea. Freddie Adu, Steve Francis, Carmelo Anthony, um, Ja Rule somehow managed to get his way in, though he doesn't look like he's the most athletic person in the world, considering he's a midget. I'm sorry, small person. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The list goes on and on and on. You can think of people who at some point were on. And then just years later, you're like, damn, homie. When I was in high school or when someone was in high school, maybe when you were in high school, you were the man, homie. Slim, what the fuck happened to you? Oh, my God. It's, it's just it's such a beautiful question because we've all asked it before. And as we have entered March 2020. The news of Tony Romo's massive contract has stolen headlines, man. And look, as someone who actually appreciated Tony Romo's game while he was playing, I actually am very happy to form. You have all these players who are upset, like, oh, man, if the announcers are making money, then how is it that we can't make this money? You got guys talking about how they shouldn't sign the new CBA because of Tony Romo. Hey, man, I feel for NFL players. I really do. And, you know, 
I'm not going to question any specific person's intellect because that uh, that's nasty. I would never do that. But if I can, if I am allowed to paint with a broad brush real quickly, you know, the dudes who played football when I was like in school or the dudes, you know, not the dudes who were super successful, but you know, just football players, man, they, they're a different breed, bro. It's one of the reasons why I love the NBA so much or, you know, the Bombers ain't the sharpest, Joe. Of course, Tony Romo's money has nothing to do with the N the NFL in terms of the CBA. Tony Romo operates in a free market. And if NFL players aren't willing to strike for an added game, then they can basically kiss a non-salary cap goodbye. Like baseball fought for that giant. Football players, at the mere mention of, yo, y'all going to lose money, they ready to just, uh, they, they ready to fall out, fight, it's over. But this is not who the sports wings is about. It's not necessarily about Tony Romo. It's about the man who Tony Romo easily replaced. That's right, Phil Simms. Dog. How the fuck do you feel right now, bro? I know you got to be in some type of pain. Slim, Tony Romo roughed your spot, and no one even batted an eye. Think of all the, the famous color analysis or analysts, excuse me, who exist. And think of, yo, man, if, if they were to just lose their job altogether without any type of backlash, that list isn't long. It starts with Booger McFarlane, right? And then where do you go? People act like they hate Troy Aikman. I don't mind Troy Aikman, right? I think he's, you know, I, I get the cowboy, you know, bias. But I think Troy has kind of rose above that, similar to what Romo has done. Who else? Who are, who are the top guys? Chris Collinsworth? Again, he's not the most beloved figure, but I think ultimately he's pretty good at his job. I don't know the person who could seamlessly enter and then just rough his spot. We saw what happened when Gruden left, right? ESPN is still trying to figure out, yo, how can we make this work? Jason Wynn sucked so bad, he went back to football with his tail hung in between his legs. Like, who's the guy? Phil Simmons lost his job to a dude who hadn't done it, and no one ever thought, yo, man, you know, Phil was pretty good. Batman was ready to run Phil Simmons. No, they weren't. No one cared about Phil Simmons. The difference between Phil Simms and, like, Troy Aikman, Chris Collinsworth, people at least feel something. Something. Something resonates with people when it comes to Troy Aikman, whether good, whether bad. So if he is gone, you will experience something. You will have some type of emotion. Same thing with Chris Collinsworth. I'm trying to think of other big... Well, the Knicks let go of Marv Albert. Obviously, Marv at that time was the best of the best. People were upset. Even though Mike Breen is a really good color guy. Phil Simms lost his job and no one even thought of him. <laughs> Phil Simms is like, you know, a fallen leaf. He's like autumn. Dog, you... You don't even know it's gone. When autumn turns to uh, winter, it's not really a big thing because you don't think about it. 
That's what Phil Simms is. He's the forgotten souls. You know what I mean? And damn, that got to hurt, especially when your, your successor is changing the game so much that he's getting paid $17 million. Phil Simms does inside the NFL. I don't even know if he does that anymore. And this has been the story of Phil Simms' career, professional career. This dude won a Super Bowl in New York City. In New York City. Do you understand how beloved you are if you do that? Joe Namath is in the Hall of Fame. You pull up Joe Namath's numbers, and it's clear. He was maybe one of the more overrated players ever. And the only other person, or one of the few people who can even compare in that regard is who? You guessed it. Eli Manning. Like These guys are beloved. Phil Simmons was a part of two Super Bowl championships. Hell, Bama's fell in love with Jeff Hostetler. The dude who was backing up Phil when he was hurt. He's been the forgotten guy his whole professional career. And now it's even worse. Because you were in people's homes for what? Three plus hours a week. Actually, more. You were there with Jim Nance, and you had your bland, you know, NFL broadcast. Didn't add anything. Didn't harm anybody. Didn't have any negative reaction. But, dog, no one cared. No one cared about you. And that's harsh, man, but, no, it's real. They got your ass about it there without even thinking twice. Reportedly, you have some problem. Actually, it's not really It's reported by your son. Your son told the world on the Dan Levitard show, I believe, that you and Jim Nance don't even really rock with each other. Jim Nance saw the, the pretty new girl in the room and Tony Romo gave him all the attention and Jim Nance was just the, the omen because the whole world just raves about how great Tony Romo... Dog, can you imagine being, you know, again, not, a, not bad at your job. You're like, you... You are good at what you do. You're not spectacular. You're not awful. You're just mediocre. You get replaced. And your replacement is not just good. He's not just great. He has two stations bidding unheard of amounts of monies, money to, to employ him. All the while, you just sitting in a studio show the worst studio show ever. Like, no one pays attention to the CBS studio show. No disrespect to anybody. But let's keep it funky. It's behind Fox. It's behind NBC. It's behind ESPN. You chilling with Bill Cower. You understand? Ain't nobody even thinks about Phil Simms, bro. And Phil Simms, he was all right. Again, I remember coming up, Bill's, Phil Simms was like, yo, he was the NFC East quarterback, was a part of the successful New York Giants when they had their run in the late 80s, early 90s. And he's forgotten. They, the way, look at the way the Bama's fall over themselves. New York people f will, will fall, fight to the deaths defending Eli Manning, even though they knew Eli Manning was trash. You say Phil Simmons around them, they're like, eh. <laughs> no, you were just a passing moment in every step of your professional career, bro. Oh, Phil, that's what I got. I feel for you. $17 million to Tony Romo. I don't even know what CBS is paying you, but it ain't close to $17 million. 
Oh my gosh. First it was Jeff Hosteller. Then it was Eli Manning. Now it's Tony Romo. Woo! Phil Sims, man. Dog, don't divorce your wife. She gonna come back just guns blazing. She gonna kill you. She gonna hurt your heart, boy. Oh my goodness. Don't ever, bro, this would be the type of thing that would make me go into isolation. <laughs> because in three different spots in my life, the people who've, who've come after me have just been given such praise, have been so beloved, and now making crazy amounts of money. And nobody even thinks about you, bro. You are the cashier at the grocery store. No disrespect to cashiers, but I'm saying in the greatest scheme of things, when you go to the grocery store, you may remember what song was playing. You get back in the car. You go to your phone. You go to your app. You try to download the song. Like, oh, man, I like that song. You remember the sale. Like, yo, maybe I need to go back tomorrow. They had a really good sale on blah, blah, blah. You remember the prices, right? You go to the seafood shop or, or you know, the, the butcher. Like, yo, man, they have a really good, uh, yeah, the prices are really good for that T-bone or for, you know, that salmon it was really, really you know, I like their prices there. You remember so much about what happens, but you don't remember a damn thing about the person who put you or who rang you up. Maybe you put your food in. The, it's just a, a past, a fleeting moment. That's in the entirety of Phil Simms' career professionally at every step. Dog, you the first thing everybody dreams about because nobody remembers that shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And you, and it's not because you were trash. Phil Simms is really was was good, just good. Phil Simms is Wednesday. You have a good Wednesday, cool. Nobody give a fuck about Wednesday, man. I ain't had to be you because you know I've got nothing negative to say about Phil Simms except for nobody gives a fuck. Damn, homie. I mean, I can't even really say you was the man. I mean, you were a Super Bowl champion in New York City and nobody thinks about you. What the fuck happened to you, bro? <sighs> hey, yo, man, is there a Phil Sims hive? Is there even such a thing? Everybody got a hive right now. Does Phil Sims have a hive? If so, I would love to hear from you. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com or tweet at me at quarterly show we spell quarterly here q u a r t e r l e e show once again i want to thank my guy my guest this week justin lee for stopping by and i want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me for another episode of the quarterly report <laughs>